Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Psychic Teachers. I'm your host, Deb Bowen. And I'm Samantha Fay. And we are just so happy that you are with us. Shoo, Samantha, already this is a whirlwind year for me. Is it for you? Oh, it sure is. Finding time to catch my breath. I, I know. And, and before we get started on everything else, folks, thank you, thank you, thank you for bearing with us as we are working out the technology of this recording thing. Samantha, whatever were we thinking to try this while Mercury was still in retrograde? I don't know. We need to practice what we preach. <laughs> we not. But we're getting there, and we are just so happy that you are joining us whenever it is that you are doing so as you are listening to this podcast. So thank you also very much for being with us. Um, As you know, we began each show with a meditation, a crystal, and an animal of the week. So, Samantha, where should we start, dear? Um, I'd like to start with the meditation, if you don't mind. Oh, that'd be perfect. Thank you. Go right ahead. Okay, so our our topic for this show is uh, practicing self-care through the gift of solitude. So I thought I would do a meditation kind of based on that, and I wanted to start by reading um, one of my favorite poems, Um, It was written, I believe, in the 12th century by a poet named Izumi Shikibu, Um, and it's from a book I turn to a lot for meditation. It's called The Enlightened Heart, and it just has um, poetry, sacred poetry from several different cultures from very, very, very long time ago. And I, I just love reading that, you know, we all have had these same thoughts and hopes and dreams throughout the centuries. So this poem is very short. It says, Watching the moon at midnight, solitary, mid-sky, I know myself completely, no part left out. So with that poem as our inspiration, did you want to say something, Deb? That's beautiful. Thank you. Isn't it? I know. I just love that. So if you all are in a safe place to do so, if you could just close your eyes and just follow the sound of my voice as you allow yourself to go within and allow yourself to release any excess energy or anxiety or stress or to-do lists that are on your mind. Just see those trickling down, 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 out of your body, going into the earth, where they will be absorbed and taken for you. And feel your energy connecting to the rootedness of the earth. Feel yourself being grounded by this connection we all have to the earth and to each other. And imagine yourself sitting solitary at midnight, staring up at the moon. See all the beautiful stars twinkling out at you. Feel your aloneness surrounding you like a warm, comforting blanket. And allow yourself to sit for just a moment in perfect silence and solitude. And draw your attention now, not around you, not to your surroundings or to the moon or to the stars or to the darkness. Draw your attention within you Feel your energy not expanding, but contracting and going within all the layers and the walls that we put up in our life, 
and feel your light pulling in and in and in and coming in to this focal point in the center of your heart. And when you can really feel your energy concentrated inside of you rather than all around you, I want you to say to yourself, I am. And then fill in that blank if you feel compelled to do so. I am whole. I am complete. I am healthy. I am happy. I am intuitive. I am enough. And take another deep breath and feel that light that has just gotten renewed and fulfilled in your heart center. See it now expanding and filling up your whole body, reaching out into your energetic bodies and surrounding you in a cocoon of light. And promise yourself that throughout the day today, you will repeat that statement whenever you can get a moment of solitude. I am enough. And take another deep breath and flutter your eyes open. Oh. You back with us, Deb? <laughs> I am, but boy, you took me away. That was lovely. Thank you so very, very much for that. You're so welcome. So who's our animal of the week? Our animal this week is armadillo. Oh. Oh. You know, we don't have them where we live, but uh, they are really cool beings. And armadillo energy is all about boundaries. It is all about being able to say, I'm just going to curl up here in this little ball, and I, you've got, I've got this armor on my back, and you're not going to get to me. That's really what uh, they do. And so armadillos shield themselves from whatever does not feel good to them. They take time to be just within themselves. So armadillo really does help us to define our space. It helps us, uh, Jamie Sams and David Carson say, you may have been too willing to let your home become a bus station. You may find out you can't say no even when you know that you have to cancel plans to be obliging to someone else. Um, Don't do it. That's what that's what Armadillo teaches us. So Armadillo asks us to ask these questions. Am I honoring the time I need for my personal enjoyment? Do others treat me like a doormat? Why do I always get upset when I'm taken for granted? Is there a reason for uh, me being a yes person? And if you answered yes to any of those, you can call on Armadillo energy to give you the strength and the courage to say, Nope, right this minute I am going to curl up behind this boundary and I'm going to read a book and drink a cup of tea and I'm going to be by myself and that's okay. And that's the gift that Armadillo gives us. Very nice. Yeah. I wonder, I, you know, I love to find symbology and things and Armadillo instantly brings my mind to Steel Magnolias because remember that was the groom's cake? <laughs> I sure do. Remember I played Weezer in the play. That's right, and I wonder if armadillo was a symbol in that in that play for, you know, how those women did kind of put up walls until they were given the the, the gift of friendship through through that tragedy. Maybe so. That's probably me overthinking, as I do. Okay, so the um, this is I love synchronicity. So a, a listener uh, contacted us on our Facebook page and said, "Could you please do Shiva Lingam?" So it was on my list to do that stone and you know lots of you will email or or facebook and say can you please cover this stone so i have a couple of stones on that list and i don't work with shiva lingam i never have have you i have one (laughs) i would that stone and i do not resonate at all yeah it's um i had one too and i was i was um I felt instructed to, to give it away to somebody, so I so I did. Um, anyway, so I wasn't going to do this stone this week. I, I had a whole other stone in mind to do, and I just for some reason I switched. And it, I'm so glad I did because it turns out it's a perfect stone 
for solitude. So oh. it's considered a sacred stone for the Hindus. Um, it's actually um, found, it, it comes from only one place, the Narmada River in western India, which is one of the seven holy sites of India. So it's basically quartz that has been tumbled smooth by the, the flow of the river. And I like that idea. And then the people um, take this stone and they shape it into the phallic shape that we know. I'm sure you all have seen Shiva Lingam. If you haven't, Google it while you're listening to us if you can so you can see what I'm talking about. But it is tumbled and shaped into um, picture an egg that has been rolled out to have more of a phallic image. And the reason why they do that is because the Shiva Lingam is the perfect connection of the feminine and the, and the masculine. So the egg shape reminds us of the feminine energy, and then the phallic uh, shape reminds us of the masculine energy. So holding Shiva Lingam helps uh, for us to attain perfect duality within our energy. It is um, Lingam, the word Lingam is, um, means symbol in Sanskrit because these stones are a symbol for the, the Lord Shiva um, mating with the, the goddess. So again, that masculine, um, the goddess Kali, I'm sorry. So it's that masculine feminine energy. Working with these stones is said to help you see that you are an individual, a separate person within the whole, which reminds me of that Rumi quote, you know, you are not a drop in the ocean. You, you are, are the ocean in yeah. a drop. This stone, reading about this stone, just reminded me of that quote, doesn't it? It does. But I have a question about that stone. And, and sure. I don't know if you can answer this, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. But, you know, it's a perfect, um, it is a perfect balanced stone. And that line uh, that separates the two colors is always absolutely perfect. Do you know how that happens? They, it's not actually always perfect, I found out. Oh, the, um, everyone I've ever seen is. Isn't that interesting? They, 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 oftentimes they try to do it because of that reason, um, but sometimes it's just swirled in there. Like If you just Google it and click images, you'll see what I mean. Sometimes the, the, the orangey red is on the top and the bottom, and then the brown oh. is in the middle. Uh-huh. Um, I, one, one book I turned to said that it's quartz and jasper. But all the other books I read said it was just quartz from the river. Isn't that interesting? So we'll have to check with Joel on that. Yeah, it doesn't look a thing like quartz to me. Me neither. Huh. And they said, and the research I did said that the, the brown and the red, those colors come from the impurities of the river. Oh, interesting. So you can use it to help balance the first, second, and third chakra which I think is going to be, if you are an empath or a healer, I think this would be a really good stone for you because people who are healers tend to live a lot of their life in the upper ethers, you know, so their fifth, sixth, and seventh chakras are usually wide open, but their first, second, and third need to be grounded. That's why you'll see a lot of intuitives or healers will have like financial problems or relationship drama. It's because they don't like to spend a lot of time in the grounded energy of the first, second, and third chakra, but we all need to, and this stone helps you to do that. Um, It also helps to um, activate and awaken kundalini, so if that's something you're working on through meditation or yoga, Shiva Lingam would be a good stone for you. It is said to resonate with all four elements of the earth, air, fire, earth, and water. So it would be good for altar um, things. It helps to release childhood pain, especially from sexual abuse. It is recommended for women who have trust issues with men, and it's recommended for men who have intimacy issues with women. So if you're a female and you surround yourself with all females and you're super feminine, this would be a good stone for you. And if you're a mask, if you're a man and you're like, you know, I'm a manly man, you're probably not listening to this show. But if you are um, and you're like all into, I don't know, you're Harley and, and you think women are pretty little things, you probably need this stone too. There's also black Shiva lingam, which is um, very rare and sacred. It's, I did some research. It's really not rare, but they were limited to the Hindu temples because the black, the solid black Shiva Lingam are said to have very, very protective energies to it. So India wasn't releasing them from their country. It's only in the recent years that they were um, allowed to go out for export. Hmm. Okay. There's a lot more to that. Me too. 
about that? Thank you for that. You know, that that rock store you and I go to um, in our neighboring state has, like, really good big ones. And um, we've never... I never knew they big. Me neither. And you and I have always been like, eh, yeah, and we've walked on. Now we need to go back there and consider it. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe we should take a road trip. Uh, Okay. So, Samantha, can I tell a story? Yeah, please. Okay. So our topic... Uh, And we're going to do this, we think we're going to do a show uh, on this topic every month in some form or another on self-care because we get a lot of questions from you all about wanting care. And so we're going to talk to you over time about ways that you could and perhaps should take care of yourself. And we're going to begin with the idea of being alone. And so let me tell you a story. The very first psychic I saw way many years ago, like more than 35 of them years ago, uh, was explaining my numerology to me. And as you know, uh, we've just been talking about numerology here for this beginning of the year, but I have sevens everywhere. I am a seven life path. Uh, My name resonates to a seven. I've got sevens everywhere. And one of the things she said to me was, one of the life tasks, one of the life lessons of a person who is a seven is to learn to be alone without being lonely. And that has been so true in my life, to learn to be alone without being lonely. And it is a lesson that I have learned. Uh, I, I think that's one I can check off in this lifetime because I love to be alone in some ways. And when I am not, I am a piece of work. You do not want to be around me when I have been around a lot of people for a long period of time. Now, for me, that being alone means just time to think, to sit, to be, to write, to read, to drink tea, to do, to just to, to just be, to walk on the beach. Um, and I love doing all of those things with other people too. And I am. Ex- Extremely blessed. We were talking about this before uh, the show, Samantha and I were, about how blessed I am to have some amazingly good friends um, with with whom I talk and share a whole lot and do a whole lot. But those same friends also understand when I say, gee whiz, tonight is date night with Deb. And and I really do. In fact, I have friends who laugh at me. I have a, a real good friend who's a real extrovert. And she is in her 70s, and she still thinks Saturday night is go out and do stuff night. My idea of a perfect Saturday night is to stay home with a pot of soup, a cup of tea, and our public radio station, which plays an evening of folk music on Saturday nights, and I am a happy girl. That's really nice. (laughs) Well, yeah, and I think that... So we we want to touch on a lot of different topics on this show. We want to speak to those of you who are like Deb and like to be alone. And we also want to speak to those of you who are more of the extrovert and don't like to be alone and encourage you to try it out. Because our I think our goal always in this show is to, you know, teach in a, um, a vision of, of balance, you know, yes. in everything that, that we do. Absolutely. And I think that um, – you know, we, we need to always remember to bring our energy in, into balance. For me, my, my journey with solitude has been a little bumpier than yours maybe because I was raised in a family that taught extroverts are treasured, introverts are weird. So, and my mom used to always tell me, fake it till you make it, because I used to, I mean, oh, school was often hard for me, and going to birthday parties and showing up at after-school activities, I would get super nervous and she would say oh honey just fake it till you make it if nobody knows you're nervous and shy nobody will know and so I was always taught that fake it till you make it and and I was also taught if you're nervous you'll make other people nervous so you know put on a smile put on a show put on a false front and I did that for years and I would um you know retreat into my my bedroom when I would come home and kind of recharge my batteries that way 
I was, uh, one of my friends came over for dinner this weekend and she was like, I don't think I've seen my new teenage daughter. Her daughter like just turned 13. And she's like, I don't think I've seen her since she turned 13. Like she comes home and she sits in her bedroom, but her daughter's a lot like me, you know, just super artistic and loves music and loves to write poetry. And, and I said to my friend, I said, do you know what I asked for? I asked for one thing when I turned 16 besides a car, a girl can hope. I asked for um, a mini fridge. I did. And my mom got it for me and I put it in my bedroom and I, I don't, I literally, I would go to school and I would go to, you know, I would go to parties on the weekends and I'd go out with my boyfriend at, you know, for, for football games on Wednesdays and whatnot and Fridays. But, but whenever I came home, I would just sit in my bedroom and I would listen to music and I would stock my fridge with water bottles, diet Coke and fruit. Cause I'm, I'm balanced again. I can have diet Coke and fruit. <laughs> <laughs> So it took me a long time to integrate those two separate sides of myself. Do you know what I mean? The side that was the extrovert who went to all the parties and, you know, was always up for fun and ha ha ha. And then the real me who was tucked at home, you know, listening to Sadio Watanabe and, and writing in my little journal. And I think it took, you know, a lot of self-acceptance that I still, that I still work with. Because even to this day, if people ask me to go somewhere, my first response is an instant, sure, because I was raised to be a people pleaser. So I think that one of the gifts of embracing solitude in your life is that you really start to embrace yourself. And like Deb was saying with the armadillo discussion, you really start to put down those boundaries and say, you know, yes, I would love to hang out with you, but I need to recharge my batteries first. And that's and that is that. The that's the point of the balance is yes, I do have friends with whom I go out to dinner or, or go to a play or, or whatever and I love doing that. And when I'm doing those things I think, Oh, you know, I should get out more and then on the way home I go, Nah, I'm going home. I don't I don't have to move the car again until next Thursday when it's old people discount day at the grocery store. <laughs> and that makes me so happy. That makes me so happy. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Samantha, we had uh, a threat of snow where we live, and that's a big deal, folks, for us uh, because we don't live in a snow land. And I went to the grocery store, not to buy bread and milk, but I, I had some other things to get uh, just on my regular shopping day, and I didn't move my car again for more than a week. The only time wow. I left, I know, the only time I left the house was to go out to check the mail and to go around the yard and, and around my neighborhood a little bit, but I didn't move the car for more than a week. I was so excited. Wow. And part of that for me is a seasonal thing in that winter for me is a time of going within. Yeah, there's something about um, not not the cold particularly, but there's something about just this fallow time in the in the cycle of the year where uh, it's it's like a bear, and it's time for me to hibernate and to um, to really have time to assess what I value and make plans and to just and to just be. And mm-hmm. that to me makes me oh so happy. Although you know, mm-hmm. I, I will leave again soon. I I promise. Maybe. Can I um Can I read a little? paragraph from a short did you read that short story i sent you i don't I love you that last night. Read it? yes it's um solitude by guy de Montpassant, and it's written in 1884 and um again i just love the idea that you know we've all been dealing with these same issues and it, it's a short story about a man who realizes that we're all really alone in life and we need to accept that rather than than fight it And he says in one part of the short story, nobody understands whatever one thinks, whatever one says, whatever one attempts. Does the earth know what passes in those stars that are hurled like a spark of fire across the firmament? Man does not know what passes in another many anymore. We are farther from one another than the stars and far more isolated because thought is unfathomable. Do you know anything more frightful than this constant contact with beings that we cannot penetrate? We love one another as if we were fettered very close with extended arms without succeeding in actually reaching one another. A torturing need of union hampers us, but all our efforts remain barren. 
our abandonment useless, our confidences unfruitful, our embraces powerless, our caresses vain. When we wish to join each other, our sudden emotions make us only clash against each other. I never feel more alone than when I open my heart to some friend because I then better understand the inseparable obstacle. He is there. Uh, he is my friend. I see him clear above me, but the soul behind him I do not see. He listens to me, but what is he thinking? You do not understand this torment. He hates me, perhaps, or scorns me, or mocks me, or judges me, or rails at me, or condemns me. How am I to know what he thinks? How am I to know whether he loves me as I love him? And what is at work in that little round head? What a mystery is the unknown thought of our fellow man. Isn't that interesting? Well, it, it is. And and, and you, it's true. There's always a separateness between mm -hmm. us that mm -hmm. we can't bridge. As much as we may try in deep and, and intimate and lovely and wonderful relationships, there's always other, the concept of, of other between us. Um, it's just always there in some way or another. You know, though, Samantha, I, as you were reading and I was listening to you talk, I was thinking, you know, you live in a house full of people, uh, and yet you manage to find, make time to be alone, to, to recharge your batteries, and that is something that you really need. And I'd like, I, and we're going to talk, we're going to have a break here in a minute, but I'd like to talk after the break about giving folks some ideas of ways that they can do this and ways that folks who are extroverts and who don't always think that they might need it or want it, some ways to, to kind of do a self-check to see, oh, you know, maybe that might be helpful to me. And I, I've got some ideas for that, and I'm sure you do too. Um, so I'd like to help people to look at ways that they can really do it because they're probably saying, yeah, well, yeah, Deb, you know, you, you have this opportunity to do this. You know, this is your retired, you do this, that, and the other. Um, but you don't. You you live in a world full of a lot of people around you all the time, and, and yet mm -hmm. you manage. So what might that be like for you? So can we talk about Audible and then address some of those sure. topics? Okay. Great. Sure. So this week we are sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com backslash psychic teachers, you can try a free book for the entire month. And remember, if you don't like the book that you try, um, you can always email them and say, I'd like another free credit. And even if you do go ahead and get the membership, you can always do that every month. If you download a book and you're like, oh, I don't like this voice or this book isn't resonating with me, you can return it and get another free book. So with your membership, you always get um, free credits and you can download at least one book free a month. Anyway, this month I'm recommending Thoughts in Solitude by Thomas Merton. Oh, I love um, Thomas Merton. I do too. If you all haven't heard of Thomas Merton, please look into him and his writings. And just his biography is The Seven-Story Mountain. That alone is, is enough worth reading. Um, but anyway, he is um, a, a monk from Kentucky, and, and he writes beautifully about solitude. One of the quotes from that book, Thoughts in Solitude, I like is, society depends for its existence on the personal solitude of its members. Isn't that great? Say that again. Solitude depends for its existence on the personal solitude of its members. Lovely. And then the other book I wanted to recommend, in case you know you didn't catch it in high school or college, is Walden, A Life in the Woods by Henry David Thoreau, which I think is kind of the quintessential book on solitude. One of my favorite books in the world, of course. Mm -hmm. So that's audibletrial.com backslash psychic teachers. Thank you all so very much for uh, trying Audible. It, it really does help us, uh, and, and we really do appreciate it. So audibletrial.com backslash psychic teachers. Thank you. And if you get a chance when you're um, sitting down at your computer and you're reloading all your podcasts for the week, if you get a chance, please um, just search Psychic Teachers, all one word, and click on reviews and, and leave us a review, please, because it helps people to find us, and we really appreciate that. Or tell a friend. We love it when people say, my coworker wouldn't stop talking about you guys, so I finally downloaded your show, and I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we we appreciate you helping us spread the word about, about the work that we do uh, on iTunes, and please like us on Facebook. We 
we, one of our commitments this year is to really be more interactive with you folks on Facebook, and, and we're uh, periodically and fairly regularly now uh, posting information about the show and about other things that we're doing on our Facebook page. So please, 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 Psychic Teachers on Facebook, we would, we would appreciate that as, as well. So there you go. Okay, so one of the reasons why I read that kind of depressing paragraph from that short story <laughs> okay. was to talk about how I think so many of us, I know you, you don't do this, but I think many, many of us fight this idea of solitude. We rage against this idea of solitude because like he was talking about in that story, we are you know, we are social animals. We are yearning for union. I think that's what, you know, sex and creation and, and everything is really just about is trying to, you know, have that union of two becoming one. And we yearn for that. And yet, I, for whatever reason, this world was created so that we can't have that. One of the things I find so fascinating about the other side is that the minute you transition to the other side, all of your thoughts are transparent. And my, we were having this really weird metaphysical discussion, my girls and I, this weekend. And one of my daughters goes, you know, like, what if I get to the other side and I keep thinking, like, you know, I, I really have to burp or something. And everyone is just going to see that thought. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in that, that transparency of thoughts on the other side, is I think that's part of the reason why people who have had near-death experiences come back with that energy of total wholeness and love and union and acceptance that they have felt. I think that's why the energy of the other side is so loving is because we aren't hidden behind these shells that are called bodies. So I think part of the way that we can start to play with solitude and accept it in ourselves is to kind of surrender that need for perfect union. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? It, it does. It, it does. It, you know, um, to surrender that need for that with other people, but to find that union within yourself. Exactly. That's, that's so true. Because when he said he never feels more alone than when he opens his heart to a friend, haven't you felt that before? Like you, you, you show your vulnerability, you share something you're going through with a friend, and if and sometimes remember we were talking before the show uh, when we were talking about this topic, and we were saying how like sometimes you share something with a friend and it's like they're just waiting for you to take a breath so they can jump in and just share their story, but they're never really I, listening to you. I can't tell you how many times that has happened. Or conversely, somebody will call me and they need to talk and be heard, and I will listen and I will do what I can do as I think a friend should do. And at the end, they will say, oh, yeah, how are you? And you know they don't mean it. Right. No. You know, and nope. I just say fine and hang up, you know. Um, so that happens. Um, and then there, but then there are those, uh, we do have those people. And interestingly, you and I were talking yep. about this earlier, too. The three people with whom I most frequently share real thoughts and real feelings and and real kind of dark nights of the soul that I might be going through in my life are you and Joel and Susan, all of whom are also introverts. Mm-hmm. Introverts mm-hmm. you know? unite. <laughs> That's right. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, extroverts don't always get it. And it's not, I'm not putting a value judgment on that. It's just that we're different, you know. We're, there, mm-hmm. There's just a difference there. But what if, Samantha, what if you are an extrovert who... This this topic tonight sounds like sheer hell. Mm-hmm. The thought of sitting quietly or just being or being alone is really, really just not at all who you are or who you see yourself or being or see yourself as even needing or wanting this. What can mm-hmm. we say to those folks to say, try it, you might like it? Yeah, I, I would say try it, you'll hate it at first, True. but try it anyway. Um you know, it's kind of like when, whenever people tell me to, to try running, <laughs> I'm going to hate it, but I always try it. So 
you know, don't, don't, if you are an extrovert listening to this show and this idea is you're like, Oh, I think I'm going to turn this show off. This is not, this is not my topic. Just all I ask is that you try it and try it in little tiny increments. You know, how do they say you, you, you cook a frog is, is it the frog that they cook where they yeah. say like you put them in water and you and you just slowly turn the temperature up and then they don't even know that they're being boiled? <laughs> yes, isn't that horrible? It's awful. That's a terrible analogy, Samantha. I know. I'm sorry. It's just <laughs> one that pops into my head. My my um my 13 year old is is trying to decide if she's going to become a vegetarian, so she's been telling me all these horrible stories about stuff like that. So anyway, we were just talking about frogs. Uh-huh. So anyway, that's how I feel you need to acclimate yourself to solitude is in little tiny increments. So, for example, one of the things I would suggest, and this is something I have to do myself, is when you're driving in the car, allow yourself silence. If you're driving to pick up your kids, if you're driving to work, if you're sitting on the train, if you're on a commute, take your iPod, your earbuds out of your ear for a minute, put your phone down, put your computer off. Turn your, TV, turn your TV off, turn your radio off. Give yourself just little tiny moments of solitude when you can. When, um, when I was going through like all my, my cancer stuff and just freaking out, I went to my therapist and he, was, and he always says like, what are you doing to take care of you? And I'm always like, dude, I don't have time to take care of me. <laughs> I used to get so frustrated when he would say that because I wasn't taking care of me. I was just so, so focusing on you know, taking care of my family and getting to the doctor's appointments. And so he said, well, just tell me like about your daily life. And I was like, well, you know, I, I'm like a huge podcast addict. So I, I usually, when I need time for myself, I put my iPod on and, and I go for like a really long walk by myself. And he said, no, you don't. I was like, no, no, really. I do. I do. I'm, I'm totally alone by myself walking. He said, no, you don't. And I was like, what is this guy trying to get me to see? And he said, the iPod, leave the iPod at home. He said, give yourself the gift of you. And that's the the first step to self-care. And I thought, oh, okay. So now I still listen to my iPod a lot because, like I've told you all before, it's the only way I can get through, like, cleaning my house and, you know, drudgeries like that. But when I do go for a walk now, I leave my iPod at home. Um, When I am driving to pick up my kids or going to the grocery store or driving to see a friend, whatever, I do try to turn the radio off, um, leave my iPod at home, and just focus on silence. So I think a good way to start is in little increments like that. And I really think that so many people aren't even aware of the fact that you don't have silence in your life. For example, one of my pet peeves is you can't go to a doctor's office without a TV blaring at you. Have you noticed that, Deb? Well, I don't go to doctor's offices very often, but you're, every time I've ever been, you're absolutely right. It's oh. insane. And you it go is. to, like, the grocery store or the department store, and they're blaring, like, bad 1980s music at you. It, you there's, there's so few places in this world you can go to with any type of solitude. So it is something that you kind of have to command and demand for yourself. But just be aware of you know, when you are giving yourself that gift of solitude. Because I think so many people think listening to music is solitude. And I think so many people think reading a book is solitude. And yes, it is. But what I'm saying is try to give yourself moments of silence, pure and perfect silence, and see what that brings up for you. Most of us don't deal with our inner chaos because it's too painful and too hard. And so we spend most of our life distracting ourselves from that inner chaos, you know, either through complaining or working or listening to music or hanging out with friends or creating drama in our relationships. But most of, most of that is just distraction from really what you need to deal with inside of you. And I feel, in my opinion, that the only way to discover that inner need inside of you is through solitude and silence. I, I agree with that. Um, and, you know, there's there are moments in my house where the heating system isn't running, the refrigerator isn't running. It really is quiet in my house. And when I have an awareness of that, I stop and I just breathe and I just say thank you. And even then I'm not really alone because, you know, their thoughts you know, going through your head, oh, gee whiz, you know, I need mayonnaise from the grocery store, uh, or or I need to do this. You know, those those things come. 
but but at least it's just that moment of awareness that it really is quiet and and I find most of my uh solitude in nature, which of course isn't very quiet, even in you know in my backyard, the squirrels are chattering and the birds are flying and uh, my neighbor's cats are trying to chase the squirrels and you know so there's always noise around me but there's something about about that um, nature solitude that for me is is different i certainly feel that same way on the beach listening to the waves crash um, mm-hmm. it's not solitude but it's an internal solitude with just me and the sea and i've had some of the most amazing experiences in my life sitting in solitude in nature and some of some of the stories people look at me and go oh you're making that up i mean it, it it's just you you didn't have a fox really walk up to you yeah i really did you know yes i really did sit on a river bank and have a buck stop in front of me and nod at me yes i did um those are true stories and there are many more of them and it's because i put myself in those places and was willing to just be with whatever might be happening mhm those are gifts. Those moments are, are moments I wouldn't take anything for. I treasure those memories. You know. I, I do agree that solitude is a gift you give to yourself. I'll tell you one place I can't be silent, and I, I wonder, I, I doubt you're like this too, but I have a really hard time being silent with somebody. Um, some people, for the most part, I agree with that, although I do have friends that I do quite well with just being quiet with. We can mm-hmm. see and do things and not say a word to each other for a while. And that's okay. Like if I ever, you know, God forbid, if I ever like committed a crime or something and the police wanted me to confess, all they would have to do is sit in a room with me alone and stare at me. Because if I'm ever alone with someone, I just, I hate the silence between us and I'll just talk about anything. And um, I do, I do, I do, would, I would like to change that about myself. Even like, oh, my gosh, Mercury retrograde. I went to the grocery store the other day, and the last day of Mercury retrograde, they had a power surge. And the girl's halfway through checking me out, and all the power went down for 35 minutes. And we're just standing there, and I can't, like, walk away from my car because that's rude to her. So I'm just standing there, and I am just making I, – I literally taught the entire line about Mercury retrograde, Deb. You would have been proud. <laughs> Why do I believe I couldn't that handle the silence. We're all like standing there in like awkward silence. And the poor cashier is like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's not your fault. And I'm like, this is Mercury retrograde. And she goes, Mercury what? And I was like, oh. So I started telling everybody about Mercury retrograde. The teacher never stops teaching, does she? So that's one thing I need to work on is feeling comfortable in my own skin to be silent with other people. But, you know, I used to teach, and I haven't done this in a, in a couple of years, but I used to teach group meditation. I'd bring mm-hmm. a group of people together to meditate. And um, I was always very comfortable with that, part, I, partly because I was the teacher, so that was okay with me. But there were there were people in the room who would say, you know, I wanted to come and try this, but I'm very distracted by the fact that there are people around me. Mm-hmm. And, and I hear that, you know. So what what I'm suggesting here is that there are lots of different ways of trying this. You don't, there's no one right way or one formula to to doing this. But I do think that the only way that I recharge my intuitive batteries mm-hmm. is by being quiet, by being alone. I ha- that's well, I- and you know. You were saying how I live in a house full of people, and um, I talking to all the parents out there. I I really try hard to model that for my children. So, for example, even though they have long ago given up nap nap time, I refuse to let them give up quiet time. Now, I don't practice this during the school year because we're just you know going going going. But during the summer, they know. Usually between three and four. You know, because usually we'll get up and, you know, go and do all day, and then we'll come home and shower off from the pool or the beach or something. And that's when I tell them, okay, it's quiet time. And I go to my bedroom, and I make them go to their bedrooms. And I, they can do what they need to do. You know what I mean? Like if they want to read a book, if they want to listen to music, 
Um, but they can't like text a friend or call a friend. They just have to be alone for that hour. And it's funny because even still they fight me on this, oh, mom, we don't want to do it. But each of them separately on their own has come up to me and said, thanks, I really needed that. They will, they still will not admit that to each other. Do you know what I mean? Like still as a group, they're like, oh, we don't want to. We were going to go play Just Dance. But on their own, they'll come up to me and say, mom, I really needed that. Thank you. So I do think it's important to teach our children how to be alone, too. I, I do, too. How to be alone without being lonely. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's part, you know, that's what I was talking about before when I was reading from the short story Solitude is, you know, so just surrendering to the fact that, you know, through much of life, you are going to be alone. And, and, I, and I don't even mean like um, not having a family or, or partners or friends around you. I just mean when we go through the joys and the sorrows of life, ultimately we are alone. Yeah, we are. And, and, and you know, um, as you're talking, I'm hearing a, a Jackson Brown song. It's called For a Dancer. And he talks about death in that song. And he says, in the end, there is one dance you'll do alone. I mean, we, will, we were born alone. We will die alone. And in the right. middle... Uh, to learn to um, to find the joy in that solitude, I think is one of the things that we uh, we need to do. You know, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I do, and I I just um, I don't know how I could do the work I do without being quiet. And I've said this to folks on the show jokingly, in in a kind of joking way, and I've certainly said it in classes that I've taught. But I will often get questions of, from folks about. Well, my spirit guide never talks to me. And my question is, do you ever shut up long enough to listen? And I don't mean that rudely, because we all have that internal chatter that goes on all the time, um, or external chatter around us. But when we consciously and purposefully are silent, that is when spirit speaks to us. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's spirit's always speaking to you, even when you're not chattering. It's just, I mean, even when you are chattering, it's just that we don't recognize it until That's we right. slow no, we down. We don't hear it. We don't, know? we don't realize it. Right. So spirit might be coming to you. Like sometimes friends will say the most profound things to me, and I'm like, wow, that really helped. Thank you. And they're like, yeah, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> and I know, you know, it's probably their guide or my guide helping get some wisdom through to help us have clarity, but you can get that guidance with so much more ease if you allow yourself that, that solitude. The other thing I wanted to mention, Deb, you and I get at least one email question a a month, probably to each of us asking, um, you know, I'm, I'm so alone and I'm wondering, am I meant to be alone in this world? Haven't you seen that come across your laptop a hundred times? I sure have. And I always say to people, if you don't want to be alone and you are alone, it does not mean that's your destiny. You know what I mean? Like, again, think about God as, you know, a, a, a parent on light steroids. I mean, there's no way God would be like, nope, you're going to sit down and be alone this entire lifetime because I want you to learn a lesson. That, that, that's not what our higher power is all about. But what I believe is that if you are alone and you don't want to be alone, there's the rub. That's what you need to work on is accepting being alone in this moment, finding joy in it. And once you do, that's when your life partner or your soul family will come right on in. If if you want them to, if you really want to. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that first, you instead of fighting it, that's what I, that's what I think. Everything in life is a dichotomy of resistance and acceptance. And that you know that saying, "What you resist persists." I think that's true with loneliness. If you keep resisting loneliness, it's going to keep landing in your lap. But if you accept it and turn it not from loneliness, not that word loneliness has such a depressing feel to it. So just turn the word to solitude. And if you see it not as some terrible drudgery destiny, but as a, a choice that you're making, 
I, that'll that'll shift a lot for you in your life. It, it will. It will. Um, and and you know, to to make a conscious decision, and I've seen I've seen people do this, and perhaps more women I think than men, but I may be wrong about that. Where there's something wrong with me if if I don't have uh, a date or a relationship going on. There's or a thousand friends. Right, right. There's something. There's something wrong, and that isn't necessarily so. It it may be that you're at a place in your life where you need to learn that lesson of falling in love with yourself, or mm-hmm. falling in love with with being with you, or trying to make a decision about who you are and what you really uh, want and who you want to manifest into your life. And I don't mean a specific person with that, but I mean the kind of person that you want to manifest in your life. And and you can't you can't do all of that if you don't have that quiet time first to think about it, to pray about it, to meditate about it, to hear what your guides might have to say about it. And and then and then you can begin uh, to manifest that shift in your life if that's what you need to do. Sometimes we just have life lessons that it takes us a while to work on. That's right. And if you picture, like, if we all do, you know, in that short story, Solitude, he said we all walk around with these gaping holes inside of us. I don't believe that's true, but let's just pretend for the sake of my example that that is true. If you picture yourself as a being of light with this big hole where your heart is, if you look for other people to fill it up, it's not going to fit. That's not your puzzle piece. It's not going to be your light. The only person who can fill up your hole is you. And I think that's why all the saints, all the mystics, all the hermits and anchoresses throughout the ages have always said that God is within. And I believe what they're really saying is that that source of love is within us. And if we keep searching for it outside of us, we're never going to find it. We're always going to feel lonely. But if we find it within us through the gift of solitude, then we'll fill up that missing hole. Then we can go out into the world. Yes, and to, I don't know, to trust the process, to know that our time in this impatient, instant gratification society in which we live today isn't universal or cosmic time. And we forget that. We want it and we want it right now. Well, did you see that email we got? A lovely listener thanked us for doing the Be the Light prayer um, on New Year's Eve. Did you see that? It we she got a said, lot of but I haven't. Okay, this is what she goes. Thank you so much for doing the Be the Light manifesting prayer for us on December 31st. But I haven't manifested a job yet. What's wrong? <laughs> oh, that one. Yes, I did see that. <laughs> and it came through like January 5th. I was like, holy cow, like, give it some time. <laughs> yeah, hello. Hello, I did see that one. And we'll be talking about that perhaps on the question show next week. I want to yeah. share something that, that's a, a passage that I love. It's by um, uh, Rainer we- Rilke, R-I-L-K-E. Rilke, Rilke. yeah. Rilke, sorry. Rilke, this E is pronounced, isn't it? I always get it backwards. Rilke, Rainer Week, Rilke. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to live the questions themselves. Do not seek the answers that cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing, live along some distant day into the answers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful um, quote from a poem for everyone to maybe just like tape up on their office wall or their bathroom mirror. Because I think it's, I think that's so deep. It's something you have to think about again and again and again, living into the questions live into the questions, not the answers, but into the questions. And we can't ask the questions if we aren't silent enough to figure out the questions we want to ask. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Maybe I'll try to well, you know, Facebook post and you were, about that. Oh, that'd be great. You were talking about, you know, living in each moment with, with those questions. I feel like we need to 
one of our goals here on earth is to learn to live and embrace all the moments, even the lonely moments. And so what I would invite everyone to do is to think back, like I had this little moment. There's this song that comes on every time. It's that Eric Clapton song, You Look Lovely Tonight or something. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I hate that song with every cell in my body because... Are you really? Well, it's just because my my boyfriend at the time broke up with me during that song. Oh, okay. And it was super heartbreaking. And okay. So every time I hear that song, I'm back in that, you know, like, drama of my high school dance, you know, and just feeling miserable. And so I'm turning the, I turned the radio station when that came on the other day, and I was thinking, like, you know, Samantha, what would you tell yourself, that little high school girl, when you were standing bereft on that floor? Like, what would you tell her? And I was thinking, I would tell her to just enjoy it. Like, gosh, you were in high school, and you know, you had your whole life ahead of you and some gross boy broke up with you. Hurrah, you know, like I would just tell her to embrace that moment. And she would not have and heard you or listened to you. True. She would have said, but, oh, but you don't understand. Yeah. He's so the one, so not. But here's my thing. I, then I said to myself, well, you need to apply that to your life today. And that I did listen to. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you can take that and apply it to whatever you're dealing with today, whether it's good or bad or happy or sad, apply that, that energy of just live it. Just live into that moment and enjoy it because we're here. We're alive. We're on earth. This is like the biggest gift to be given a chance on earth and to just enjoy it. It's like that. We need to share that story Joel sent us about the um, the guy who um, – had to lose both of his both of his legs and one arm. Oh yeah. And ended up becoming a doctor, doing all this amazing work for end of life care. And one of the quotes he says in that article is that when he was laying in the hospital thinking, you know, he really thought his life was over. He only has one arm left. That's it. And then his torso. And what he realized was that even in those moments there is there is life to be led to be lived, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think that that Rilke quote that's what that gives to me is that we need to embrace the loneliness, embrace the solitude, embrace the chaos, embrace the sadness, so that we can then fully appreciate the reward times of union and happiness and love and joy. Yes. I mean, I don't know what else to say to that. I, yes, I, I absolutely uh, agree with you. Um, you know, all we have is this moment. That's really, really all we have. This is one of those Eckhart Tolle moments for me where uh, where we remember that the one past is past and the one coming, who knows. And so to be fully aware of how do I want to spend this moment? And if I am alone, if I have chosen to spend this moment just with me, that's okay. Um, and if I have, am not doing what I really want to be doing and I'm with uh, some a, a group of people, for example, where I don't want to be here, can I at least go within myself surrounded by all of these people? I can't tell you how many times at faculty meetings. I I was a queen of this. Uh, It appeared like I was interested and engaged, and I was meditating and sitting on the beach in my head. I got off by myself. Yep, and that was was your solitude. It was. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot to be... um, discovered in those in those moments yeah absolutely there's that um robin williams quote you just said something that reminded me of that where he says i used to think the worst thing in life was to end up alone it's not the worst thing in life is to end up with people who make you feel alone yes i i know bless him god god bless robert williams absolutely Mm -hmm. true i know and so i think that giving yourself the gift of solitude also gives you the gift of clarity where you can then start to look at the relationships in your life, whether they be familial or relationship or work, and look at those relationships and say, 
are you feeding me or draining me? And I don't think if, if, as long as you're constantly seeking connection outside of yourself, you're not going to have the clarity and foresight of thought to properly answer that question. Yes, this is true. Absolutely true. Samantha, we're out of time. So as we close up uh, this show with uh, our talking about being alone, um, what is one thing that we might want to say to everybody that could be helpful to them about this topic? To thine own self be true. I think it's important to be true to who you are, to know yourself, and that you have to discover your true self within, not outside of you. Not, you are not mirrored in your relationships. You are mirrored within yourself. And if you really want to make the ultimate divine connection, you have to do it through solitude. Know thyself, says the Delphi Oracle. Yes, good point. Thank you all so very, very much for being with us. We really, really appreciate it. We look forward to being with you again next week. That's our Q&A show, so please join us for that where we answer your mailbag questions. And in the meantime, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week and be the light. Good night, everyone. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.